Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the mini break. Your date podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Tuesday, September 5th. I will be up front with you listeners from the start of today's episode. Tuesday's action at the U.S. Open, it was pretty boring overall. Certainly feels like we didn't learn anything new in Coco Goff's demolition of Yelena Ostapenko, in Mukova's cruising through Serana Kirstea, or even Novak Djokovic's eighth consecutive victory, this one in straight sets over Taylor Fritz. I don't know we learned much from any of those matches. Of course, I do want to spend some time recapping them for all of you listeners today, because that's, of course, our job here at Crack Rackets. But again, If we're being honest, there's only one storyline coming out of Tuesday's play in New York. That storyline is 20-year-old Ben Shelton. He obviously has to be the lead of today's show. He's what I want to spend the majority of my time discussing. It's going to be a shorter episode for all of you listeners today because Ben continues to do the amazing. Again, there are two tour-level events this season where he has won consecutive matches. The first was, of course, his electric start to the season, reaching the quarterfinals at the Australian Open. His second, the U.S. Open, where he now reaches the semifinals of a major for the first time in his career. He reaches the semifinals, period, at a tour-level event for the first time in his career. And, you know, again, joins an elite list of Americans in terms of what he has now accomplished this early in his career. Do I think the tennis last night was that great between he and Francis Tiafo? Certainly there were dazzling moments, the four-point stretch in the second set breaker. Maybe it was the third set breaker. I think it was the third set breaker where Ben, you know, 6-4 up, drops a point on return, double faults for 6-7, hits the bazooka of a return winner on the forehand side, 4-7 all. There are little things tennis-wise certainly for us to nitpick, discuss from the match. Again, the conditions were horrifying. You could see how hard these players were sweating within the first 20 minutes of this match. Definitely some things to talk about tactically, but look, we've spent a lot of time talking Ben Shelton here on this show. We've been so fortunate to be right alongside for his meteoric rise, whether it was, you know, 2020, he's starting to catch a little bit of momentum at the end of his time in the juniors. He then enrolls early at Florida, where he plays number five singles pretty darn successfully as part of a national championship Florida men's winning team. You know, then that summer he takes off. He wins the Futures title in Champaign. He makes the finals of Kalamazoo. He wins the ITA All-Americans. Obviously, follows that up into last season. Let's keep in mind, this was all last year. He was the number one player in college. NCAA singles champions. Goes on to win all of these challenger-level matches. 
makes the Australian quarterfinal, you know, now into the U.S. Open semifinal. It has been a hell of a three-year run for this 20-year-old American who, again, doesn't turn 21 until October. He's joined elite lists in making this U.S. Open semifinal. He is going to be the focus of today's show. Again, I want to talk about the other three quarterfinals, let you know what happened, although we're going to blitz through them very quickly here on today's show. Again, the focus has to be Ben, his win over Francis, where we are in American men's tennis, and you know, why we are so excited for the next decade, or at least I don't want to say why we, but why I am so excited to see how the next decade in American men's tennis unfolds. That said, before we do that, of course, a shout out as always to our dear friends at Tennis Point, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. Uh, shout out to all of you who tune in day in, day out. But let's continue with the Ben freaking Shelton thread, because again, I laid it out for you. There's his meteoric rise. Obviously, his father, national championship winning coach for the women at Georgia Tech, for the men at Florida, a former top 100 player. He was around the game. The pathway was laid out for him. But like any kid, you know, Ben had his moments where you go in, you're all in on your dad's profession. You're all in on trying to follow in those footsteps. Then there's a two-year stretch where you reject it fundamentally. You want nothing to do with those aspirations. You want to branch out on your own. Then you figure out what path you want to follow. And for Ben, in terms of full-time tennis, again, it came a little bit later. And I think you see that in the fact that he doesn't have that academy-type technique, right? The the sir, uh, excuse me, the forehand, the backhand. They're not, and I say this not in a negative sense, but they're not IMG, you know, ball machine factory-type ground strokes. You can tell he's still working through some things, still working on adjusting when players can maybe not match his pace. I don't know if anyone can match his pace, but certainly equal it at, in moments and you know can put him under pressure, force him to have to improvise in uncomfortable ways. You can tell that's when Ben gets a little uncomfortable. He hadn't played any clay court tennis before this year, no grass court tennis before his this year. And you know again, while the results certainly indicated struggle, I think for a guy traveling out of the country for the first time in his life in 2023, he acclimated himself pretty darn well. That said... I mean, again, here's the stat I want to lead with in terms of what 20-year-old Ben Shelton has accomplished now this season. There's three I'd like to turn to, two here uh, as they're Ben-specific. Here's the list of Americans who have won 10 Grand Slam matches in a single season. Again, between all four slams, can you get to 10 wins? You know, two and a half wins per event, so third round or maybe one big run somewhere. Well, here's the list of guys that have done it before the age of 21. It's a very special list. Agassi. Courier, Chang, Sampras, Roddick, Shelton. That's the list of six. Agassi, slam champion, world number one. Courier, same deal. Chang never got to one, but he was a slam champion. Sampras, Roddick, slam champions, world number ones. Throw Ben Shelton on that list as well. You want to look at the NCAA singles champions who have made semifinals at the major. John McEnroe. Think we know how good he ended up. Kevin Curran, some of you may not remember him, was a darn good player. Tim Myot, same deal. Mikhail Pernfors, top 10 in the world. Ben Shelton, fifth name on that list as well. Look, what is there to talk about the tennis that you guys don't see so evidently that we haven't been preaching for two and a half years? He's another generational athlete. Just some people are blessed with those shoulders. And I will tell all of you personally, some of you remember my dear doubles partner, GSP co-founder Max Rothman, who, you know, is blessed with one of those Hebrew hammers where, again, just has that ability to blast through the serve. And 
oh, it was such a pleasure to play doubles with him because it made my life so easy at the net. And look, I'll be honest, Max can crank at 120. Like, and I hopefully that he would never listen to this, but I have told him this to his face that I often go to these pro events and, you know, again, being along, around tennis, having seen some really elite tennis in my days, you know, the serves that even stand out from the best of the rest. And I watch a lot of pro tennis and no other part of his game would hang, but Max could serve with some of these guys. And then you watch a Ben Shelton serve. And you go, nope, that's the best in the world. That's the other generational. That's why he's still playing on Sundays figuratively, playing professionally, I should say, I guess, in this sport. It's just different. And I've said this quote before. I think I've even said it in the past week. I'll say it again. The best quote I was ever offered by a player when I asked, what's it like to return Ben Shelton? He says, well, if he makes the out wide, you're just f***ed. Because more often than not, he's going to ace you. And even if you do get your stick on it, it's an easy plus one ball, which he finishes so well, whether it's with the plus one forehand approach shot or just straight serve and volley, picking it out of the air, you lose. When he makes first serves, you lose. We've seen that script all week long for him. Wasn't broken against Kashin in sets two, three, and four. Was broken in set number two against Karatsev, but wasn't in any of the other sets. Same deal. Tommy, yes, he got an opening break, but it just felt like he never had any sort of rhythm uh, in their four-set match. And then, you know, again, last night, it's the same deal for Francis. And look, again, it was hot. It was humid. These players were dripping sweat. You could tell there are just times, even with all the re-grippings and all the new equipment, you're just going to feel uncomfortable out there, you know, not fully capable of swinging through maybe as freely as you would like. And it's in chaos where Ben Shelton thrives. It's because, again, he makes you play ugly. You're not going to – I to bring back Max Rothman, who plays with quite a bit of pace, I hate hitting with Max because it's like, dude, I'm not here to hit five balls per alley and then watch you either slap a winner in or out. I'm trying to get a sweat in. I'm trying to play 10, 15 shots. You know, we're not pros. We're here to work out. Let's have some fun. I sometimes get frustrated with Max when I hit with him. Well, that's what it's like to play Ben Shelton. I'm sure many of you listeners have a friend like that where you're like, dude, just like, can we make balls for like 10, 15 minutes, please, and get a sweat going? You don't get that with Ben. Ben's blasting a first serve at you. And if he misses that first serve, he'll blast the second one at you as well. 14 aces against 11 double faults in the match. But again, was winning, you know, 77% of his first serve points, 50% of his second serve points, faced six break points to the 15 he generated for himself. And keep in mind, the majority of those break points came in that weird middle stretch of the third set where neither guy could hold serve. You know, again, through all these things, I've told this story before, but the best, you know, one of my, one moment I will never forget is sitting there in NCAAs in 2021. Ben's a 17 year old freshman playing five singles. He was like 26 and eight, 26 and nine that year, which is really good for a 17 year old. But, you know, not like, okay, you know, Yana Kaufman clinched two national championships his freshman year for USC. I remember seeing him and being like, yep. This guy has it. Like, I'm watching him moving forward. That was one of the things I've gotten correct. There are many instances where I haven't gotten that correct over the years. But I'm watching Ben and saying, all right, the firepower's there. But the forehand technique is shoddy. You know, the physicality is clearly there. But he still, you can see him working through every choice. And every choice is a little bit different than if the circumstances are the cha- are changed because he's still trying to figure out what's what is he best at on a tennis court and you know I still think to some extent he's trying to figure that out now and yet I remember a coach sat right next to me and he said Alex 
in less than five years, he'll be ranked higher than Denis Shapovalov. And you listeners know I love hyperbole. So right away I go, coach, who at the time was an assistant, he's now a head coach. It's probably an astute eye like that that has him now in the head coaching role. I remember sitting there and saying, oh, I'm sorry, what? Like, explain this to me, please. And uh, I mean, again, he goes, just watch the serve. Watch the out wide. Watch the torque he can generate. Watch the action on that ball. Watch how easy that flick of the wrist forehand is and how quickly he can snap it through a court, how well he can flatten things out, how well he actually does absorb pace on the backhand wing. And then, of course, given his size, how well he continues to move as well, that explosive first step, it's just like it's everything you could hope for. And, and, and you still have, you know, again, he's still working to find his patterns and he's already having this sort of success. You know, that was the 2023 season for Ben. Even with this semifinal run, he is 20, uh, excuse me, he's 19 and 22 overall in the year. Now it's his first full season on the pro tour. And by the way, with this result, he's back in the top 30 of the live rankings. He'll be at a new career high after this run. You know, again, what, Ten, uh, nine of his 19 wins have come at two events, at the U.S. Open and at the Australian Open this season. He's 20 years old. He matched Francis's physicality. Obviously, the gumption to hit that return at 7-6. I've never seen Ben Shelton ever in his career. College, where things can get chippy, pro, otherwise, Casper match against Cincy last year. He never backs down from a fight. He's so thoroughly, you know, again, he's so comfortable in his skin. He just knows exactly who he wants to be, exactly how he wants to operate, act out on court, and you know how he's going to display his energy, how he's going to use his positivity, his outgoingness to catapult himself forward, to, again, keep himself intense, to keep himself hyped up. And that was the most impressive thing is, you know, again, he was the more energetic player. Francis, who has played on Arthur Ashe all tournament long, who was a semifinalist last year at this event, who had all the stars lining up for him to get a showdown with Djokovic championship weekend, Friday night, let's roll the balls out, let's play. I think all of us were ready for it. I certainly predicted it. And the moment was ripe for Francis to capitalize against a younger fellow American, you know, in this moment, an American who had already knocked out a peer in Tommy Paul. Francis knew the, the fight that was coming. And yet it just felt like he was flat. Like, the, like, it was just never there for him. Made only 56% of his first serves, 33 winners against 33 unforced errors, but, you know, only 20 of 38 at the net. It felt like Ben took that away from him, and it's so hard to move forward, gain the confidence to move forward when, again, you're playing five-shot rallies max because Ben's blistering forehands by you or slapping the ball long, which can happen at times. But Ben was just better. Uh, you know, again, in what was a broken improvisational, weird match, Ben was better. You know, again, 11 double faults to 14 aces for Ben, four double faults, seven aces for Francis. The serve was a little bit more volatile, but a little bigger for Ben. He was a little bit more successful moving forward, 21 of 36 to Francis's 20 of 38. Again, 50 winners to 34 unforced errors for Ben, who was just uncorking forehands in a way. It just felt like Francis was never comfortable doing last night. And again, that's what Ben does so well. He just makes you uncomfortable. You play broken, lacking rhythm tennis. And he can hit the ball 149. And he can track down anything you throw at him. He has the size. He has the fluidity. No, the forehand technique isn't ideal. But, you know, he's found a way to 
work through that, whether it's his return position, standing 12 feet behind the baseline and knowing, yes, I've compromised my positioning, but A, I'm quick enough to track down whatever first strike you throw at me, and B, I am strong enough and hit the ball cleanly enough that if I get a clean, uh, hit the ball big enough that if I get a clean look on the return, even if it's 12 feet behind the baseline, I can still get that ball surface line or deeper and make you uncomfortable. And certainly that forehand return winner to fight off set point, epitomizing that more than anything. I mean, again, Ben broke seven times last night against a Francis Diaf, who's been top 10 in hold percentage all season long. Now, certainly in a vacuum, a disappointing loss for Francis. I think if I would have told you at the start of the year he was going to make quarterfinals of the U.S. Open, I think we all would have said, yeah, that's, that, that's about right for the 25-year-old American. Disappointing given the context for Francis, but again, he's had a phenomenal year. Yes, he'll fall out of the top 10. He's still clearly a top 15 player and in the mix for everything he wants to accomplish. You know, again, Ben's the story. And I do think more broadly, it's worth noting, and shout out to one of the OGs, Jonathan Kelly, who texted me this stat. The last time six different men from a country made quarterfinals at a major in the same year, it was the Americans in 1996. And this is my last note on this, I promise. But historians always refer to the 1990s as the golden era in American men's tennis. You had Sampras, Agassi, Courier, Chang, Martin, Washington. I'm sure I am missing more names. You know, the tail end of the McEnroe's and Connor era. They say the 90s is the golden era. Well, how many times this year has we have we heard American men do this first thing since 90, uh, since the 90s, this first thing since 1995, this first thing since 1996? Obviously, the three-quarter finalists, first time since 06, Ginepri, Blake, Agassi, that's a massive moment here at this U.S. Open. But, you know, again, more broadly in the year now. In 1996, the six quarterfinalists were Agassi, Chang, Courier, Sampras, Washington, Martin. This year, our six quarterfinalists, Fritz, Tiafo, Paul, Shelton, Eubanks, Corda. They're all young. They're all talented. They're all still reaching the prime of their career. And again, you have these two generations now. You have Eubanks, who's the oldest of the bunch, but Tiafo, Paul, Fritz, should Opelka ever get healthy, he belongs in that conversation. Guys like Mackey, who's a little bit older than them, but still a top 60 guy. You have one generation of Americans who you know. We're getting one quarter finalist at the big events from that group of guys always. Then you have this next batch. I know Brooksby's suspended right now, but Shelton and Nakashima and Korda and, you know, again, Alex Mickelson is on the rise. Obviously, we're big Ethan Quinn believers here on this show. It's a really fun time for American men's tennis because there's a good group. They're all young. They're all rising together. And the younger group is clearly ready to challenge the oldest. Again, it's Shelton, who's the semifinalist in New York. It's Corda, who, in my opinion, has played the best month of tennis of any American this season back in that month of January. And yet all year long, you know, Taylor's been a top 10 guy. Tommy, Francis, top 12 guys. We got a good group to get excited about. This is a very talented group of Americans. And, you know, again, a, a rising tide lifts all boats. And when Shelton has success, you know, Tommy, Taylor, Francis, they see it, especially two of them lost to Ben. They're back in the boot. You know, they're back on the court. They're back in the exercise room. They will be prepared for 2024. They will come out hot at the majors. And, 
you know, again, rising tide lifts all boats. I think this is a really healthy place for American men's tennis to be, certainly the healthiest place it's felt like we've ever been in my lifetime, even when you had the Kudlas and the Sox and the Stevies and the Queries and obviously Isner through it all, all having their moments. This group is young, and it just feels very sustainable moving forward that through, you know, again, you're going to have 10 bites at a quarter, you know, quarterfinal, semifinal spot at a major at the Apple. And, you know, of those 10 bites, I think five of them, Fritz, Tiafo, Paul, Corda, Shelton, those are going to be really serious bites at the Apple moving forward as well. So again, we could have a really fun five-year run coming up now for American men's tennis. And certainly when you see guys like Ben have this sort of run in New York, look, we've, we've forecasted that for Ben for a while, but he was the story of the day. Again, his personality, he's just so magnetic. He's so comfortable in his skin, so comfortable engaging the crowd, so comfortable letting out the cheer, so comfortable mean mugging, so comfortable with the fist up. I think it's perfect for the tennis world. It's engaging. It's it's charisma. It's it's just personality. It's just it's they're not he's not just out there hitting a tennis ball. He's out there putting on a show, which again, that's what athletics is supposed to be about. It's not just about winning and accomplishments. It's about entertainment as well. And Ben doesn't compromise his winning to provide entertainment. And it's just so authentic. And that's why I think fans have so quickly gravitated towards the 20-year-old. Again, he's, he's too big time for our show now. I could text him, but he'd be like, actually, sorry, Good Morning America called. And then I'm going to go do a spot on game day because they're coming to Florida or whatever it may be. But, you know, again, shout out to Ben Shelton. I, 20-year-old deserves everything that's come his way. The moment he has dad back in his camp, again, the big result has come. And a lot of people have talked to Brad Gilbert, Coco Goff, that edition. But how about bringing dad, Brian Shelton, back into the Ben Shelton camp and, you know, within the first few months? Now he's a slam semifinalist. There's still a full offseason to go. And by the way, you make quarterfinals, semifinals of two slams in the year. Everyone's getting paid as well. So, yes, Brian just ended his tenure at Florida. I not even going to speculate how the money arrangement works, but I'm sure Ben goes, hey, dad, you know, I have money to pay you. So we should probably talk about that now. And that conversation becomes a little bit easier when there is money to take from. So again, shout out to Ben. Deserves everything that's coming his way. He's the story of the day now, truly to rapid fire through the other three matches, because obviously now the fun becomes, and I know there was a fun dialogue on Twitter, who is the more dangerous threat to Novak Djokovic? Ben Shelton or Francis Tiafo, people arguing the answer is Shelton, given the high variance, given the serve, just what if he has a day where, you know, again, it's raining down 130, 140 mile per hour bombs on Djokovic and there's not just, there's not much that he can do. We'll speculate on that when we get into our semifinal previews tomorrow, but, you know, again, look, Novak's locked in and... Yes, it was sloppy in the sense that physically he always looked a little bit tired, a little bit fatigued, but he, Taylor Fritz, played in the thick of the heat yesterday uh, at Arthur Ashe, and you know, ultimately Djokovic won 4-4, four and four, 26 unforced errors to uh, Fritz's 51, just grounded him down physically. Fritz didn't make enough first serves, only 55%. Fritz you know, was so comfortable exchanging backhands cross-court, just playing baseline tennis, and you know, again, as well as Fritz accelerates through the ball, he just – he never hit Djokovic off center. It felt like the only thing that made Djokovic uncomfortable was the weather, never Taylor Fritz. And so, again, 1-4-4, four and four, match was never in doubt. 47th career semifinal for Djokovic at the majors, leads all players uh, on the men's side. I mean, 23 major titles. 
he is the most accomplished player in men's tennis history. It's not a debate anymore. It's just a fact. And I think we're going to get Alcaraz versus Djokovic in the final, which is, again, what we all were hoping for from the start of the event. It's pretty, you know, again, in men's tennis, I suppose we've been through an era where we know who the best players are, and we've been so fortunate that oftentimes it is those players who are left at the end of a major competing head-to-head. If we get this cross-generational rivalry between Djokovic and Alcaraz at the end of the Djokovic career during the ascension of Alcaraz, I mean, that's all we can ask for as tennis fans. And again, Djokovic, 36 years old. He's 43-5. and five. Just ripped off another casual 90% win percentage season. Wins Australia. Wins Roland Garros. Finals Wimbledon. Semi-finals US Open. Guy's 36 years old. What are we doing here, folks? What are we doing here? Djokovic, Shelton, your semi, your first semifinal. Djokovic, a 97.3% favorite according to the Tennis Abstract right now. So... Yeah, numbers think we're going to get another Novak final. I think I test would suggest as much as well. On the women's side, again, like as good as Ostapenko was against Fiontek, she was that bad against Coco Goff in Coco Goff's 0-2 victory. I think uh, Ostapenko won seven points in set number one. She made 15 unforced errors in the first set as well. I mean, credit to Coco Goff, absorbed the first blow, Whenever there was open court to be attacked, she hit it successfully with a 75% neutral ball, which was enough just given where Ostapenko was physically in this match. And I think there's a real conversation certainly to be had about should Ostapenko have been offered the night match given, you know, again, she played a late night physical three-setter with Sviantek. Now it was, she had the full day off on Monday, but... You know, again, Goff got the early session, and it sounds like Goff was really angling for— you know, again, I don't want to say angling for the noon session because who knows how they make those scenes behind it. I don't want to make it sound like Goff was trying to put Ostapenko at a competitive disadvantage, something nefarious like that when there's no evidence to suggest that at all, just unconfirmed speculation. But look, 14 errors for Goff, 36 unforced errors for Ostapenko— Anytime she got stretched in the outer third, that's when the slap came. She made 38% of her first serves. You know, Goff didn't have to do much to win the match, and yet now she's the first teenage American teenager since Serena to reach the U.S. Open semifinals. What you know? Again, the summer of Goff continues. D.C. title, Canada quarters, Cincinnati title, now U.S. Open semifinals. You look for Coco Goff, 43 and 13. She won 77% of her matches. She's 19 years old. She's going to be a top five player at, by the end of this event. She's going to make the year-end finals for a second consecutive season. And again, she's only 19 years old. And she got the early 0-2 victory. She is going to be the most well-rested player heading into the semifinal round. Things are pointing up for 19-year-old Coco Goff. Again, you can't really glean much from this match because Ostapenko didn't have it. All Goff had to do was survive. But hey, don't hate the player. Hate the game. Coco Goff threw to her first semifinal at the U.S. Open. And again, this just about wraps up. We will see her at the Tour Finals, which 19 years old, twice in a row. That is sneaky, sneaky, impressive. Last but certainly not least, Carolina Mukova has had a stellar season. And I do think big picture, I know I mentioned this, I think, the other day, we know who the seven best players in the world are. Like, there is no doubt Sabalenka, Sviantek, Rabakina, Goff, Pagula, Mukova, Vondrusova, those seven should be at the year-end finals. 
And via the points, they've all pretty much locked up their spots. Now for Muhova to make the semifinals here in New York, that moves her to 38-12 overall in the season. She's winning 76% of her matches now. She's only faced one seed on her route to this semifinal. Her bracket has been the bracket that seems to have opened up most given the upsets we saw throughout the course of the event. And, you know, it is worth noting, I think Kirstea had six breakpoint chances in the opening set, and yet Mukova was still able to bagel her in her, on her way to the 0-3 victory. But, I mean, there's just not a lot Carolina Mukova can't do on a tennis court. She's so complete and, you know, makes 70% of her first serves. 32 winners against 15 unforced errors. Fights off 10 of the 11 breaks points that she faces. 6 of 11 on break points conversions herself. 13 of 17 at the net to Kirstea's 11 of 27. And I've talked all week about how well I thought Carolina Mukova has passed, particularly her backhand passing shots so far here in New York. She dropped one set on her way to this semifinal. And, you know, again, we just saw this matchup. Goff Muhova playing in the finals of Cincinnati. Now, obviously, for Goff, she went into that Cincinnati final coming off of a three-set win over Iga. For Muhova, she comes into that over a three-set win off of Sabalenka. Circumstances are very different this time around. You could argue Muhova is probably the better rested player just given how many three-setters Goff had put on her body entering the week, how many matches Goff had put on her body throughout the course of this summer as well. And yet... The 19-year-old golf is fit as a fiddle. Oh, and, you know, again, that's a physical match. They're both going to look to move forward. You probably like the pace golf can generate off the ground, particularly on the backhand wing, better. But I think Mufa is more is probably more successful knifing off the first volley, hitting the short angle, can introduce variety with the slice. Obviously, Goff has the crowd behind her. That's probably, from a prediction standpoint, why you'd lean uh, Goff over Muhova right now. But these are two of the eight best players in the world. And they're taking, you know, again, they're going head-to-head in the semifinals. Push comes to shove. That really is all you can ask for. And again, Muhova's made a slam final this year. Now Goff puts a slam semifinal under her belt as well. And she's getting very close to having reached the quarterfinals at all four majors, doing that before turning 20 years old ridiculous. Golf versus Muhova. I, I don't, I don't I see a, a lot wrong with it. And right now, Coco Golf 62.3% favorite according to the Tennis Abstract singles forecast. Now, again, we will preview that with more depth uh, as we head towards tomorrow's women's singles semifinal preview show over on the Great Shot podcast feed. But again, Straight set wins. Djokovic won 4-4. Four four. He's now 8-0 over Fritz. Golf 0-2. Muhova 0-3. Ben Shelton was the story on Tuesday at the U.S. Open. That's why we had to spend the opening 20 minutes discussing the 20-year-old American. He'll face off against Djokovic in the semifinals, of course, today, meaning when, uh, today, excuse me. Well, it's now Wednesday when I'm recording this, but, you know, again, I always like to date it based on the day I'm discussing. Still, Wednesday, we have our second half of our quarterfinal matches. Virev Sinner, Medvedev Rublev, Sabalenka, Chin Wen, Von Drusova Keys. Those are fun matchups. I imagine we're going to have a little bit more to discuss on tomorrow's show. Although then again, given the pace of Sabalenka, maybe we'll only have three quarterfinals to discuss and she'll just continue blitzing through the way she has. Nevertheless, we will be back tomorrow to discuss everything and we will have a show for you each and every day remaining of this U.S. Open as we want to ensure all of you tennis fans are up to date on everything that happens in New York. Of course, the reason we're able to generate all that content because of the tireless efforts of our super producer, Daniel Westhoff, who does a f*** of an editing job day in, day out, making all of our content possible. A shout out to him. 
A shout-out as well to our dear friends at Tennis Point, tennis-point.com, the promo code is CR15 for all of the latest and greatest products in the tennis world. With that said, for our fantastic super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break, and we will talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.